0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. got a cracker show for you today. The guys from the Massive Joe show were kind enough to give me the audio file from an interview I did with them a few months back that got a really good response. I think everybody that listens to today's show is going to be able to take some value away from this episode. It's a little bit longer than usual, but as always, if you do take some value, take a screenshot, post it up on your Instagram story for me tag myself, tag the guys from Massive Joes. I'll have the links to all their socials in the show notes below. Um, but just kick back, relax, and enjoy today's episode.
1: Let's get down to business.
2: Thanks for coming out tonight. I wrote me a manual, a step-by-step booklet for you to get. Now oh, I
3: make money move.
2: You can't see me. My time is now, now,
1: now. What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to another edition of the Massive Joe Show podcast Episode number 14. My name is Joseph Mansell. I am your host, CEO of Massive Joes. I'm joined by my apostle, Massive Joes General Manager.
2: Apostle, You've you've been talking, <laughs> you've been talking that up before we've gone on here about the new... I've got a different
1: one for you every episode, mate. Yeah. But I think Apostle is suiting for this episode. Do you want to show the
2: viewers what I look like, or are you not fucking putting a camera on me?
1: Yeah, no, you've missed out on the camera this time. You've got
2: to give me all three cameras. Well,
1: if if you're listening to this on your favorite podcasting platform, you'd be- You're filming fucking
2: Danny on a Nokia 3315. (laughs) 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 You haven't even given me one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But if you're watching this on the YouTube channel, you would notice that Neve is- kind of ghosting at the moment yeah. he's not even here good head for radio that's very good head <laughs> exactly. for radio we're joined by a very special guest on this episode 14 of the massive joe show podcast and that is of course my good man danny kennedy
0: thanks a lot for having me guys danny oh, what's happening man Man, heaps is happening uh we just got in a good session last night and i just we did got a tour of the the hq yeah and um yeah i'm, I'm ready did you yeah. see the old one I did, yeah. I did see the old one, I think it might have just been before you guys moved
1: We were discussing this last night, we had Danny uh, fly in, uh, well it was supposed to be yesterday afternoon But you know, flight delays and shit, so last Standard, night came yeah. in and uh, and yeah, it was like two years I remember because we trained at Anytime yeah. Fitness
2: mile, uh, mile End Mile End, correct yeah, But I remember that, but obviously it's, uh, I don't know what year's what now and
1: when yeah are here and Time flies when you're having fun, <laughs> yeah. man Danny, for the, uh, for the the listeners and the viewers who may not uh, have had the privilege of being introduced to your fine self in the past, introduce yourself, man. Introduce myself. Um, so yeah, as
0: obviously my name's Danny. That's, that's a probably a good start. Um, <laughs> that's so always I'm, a good I'm a, start. Uh, I'm a fitness trainer from Melbourne. I live in Melbourne now. Yep. Um, I do online coaching as well. Yep. um Consulting. Uh, I run a podcast myself, um, so I guess my time at the moment is kind of split between personal training, mm-hmm. um, online coaching, podcasting, and then also helping out with a, uh, a new app with the girls from Keba Cleaner, Steph, Claire Smith, and Laura Henshaw. So uh-huh. um, I grew up in the, in the country, so Horsham, in country Victoria, and, and moved to Melbourne for basketball initially. And then um, after a couple of years there, had a, had a surgery on my ankle and then never really went back to basketball and um, always had a... a a very uh intense i guess that's probably a good word interest in health and fitness and yep. um and really kind of stepped it up after that surgery and haven't looked back since so kind of everything happens for a reason i guess and Course. here we are yeah, led me to where we are today great opportunities meeting good people and um, and just trying to grow grow my brand and help as many people as i can
1: yeah Led you, basketball led you to the health and fitness industry. We've heard that one before. And an injury. You? Yeah, and an injury. Yeah. No, exactly. Playable. Exactly. Health and, and fitness playable. <laughs> that, no, absolutely, <laughs> 100%. Is. So what we like to do, the uh, viewers who are, uh, are long-time listeners of the Massive Joe Show podcast would know we try to cover fitness and business in this podcast. If mm. you're listening for the first time, that's what we try and do with this podcast. Uh, And when we have guests come on the show, we like guests that have experience in both sides and, you know, a bunch of experience in fitness, a bunch of experience in business. And you obviously tick both of those boxes uh, through your fitness journey, but then also through your business journey as well. And you kind of, you know, kind of talk yourself down a little bit, but you're probably one of the best known personal trainers uh, in, in Australia, at least and your podcast is one of the most listened to podcasts in Australia as well. Um, so Danny's you know he's kind of a big deal. I'll make sure I give you that cash for saying that. after the episode that <laughs> I've got it in my wallet under the yeah. table that's why I'm kicking you <laughs> under the table. Um, so I'm I'm excited for this podcast because I think that you you know we're going to add a whole bunch of value uh, to people through yeah. your personal experiences. So just on the let's start with fitness. Yeah, so you've you've been exposed to fitness, you know, at a young age through basketball. Mm. Injuries kind of you know come along and 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 derailed that, which you know is 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 pretty common. You know how people get into the fitness industry is usually through a performance sport somehow, yeah, and then the performance sport either it's injury or they lose interest or whatever it is. But that's kind of you know the opening of the door, Halfway, to, yeah, yeah, to get into the the fitness industry. So. How do you go from, you know, like like talk us through it? How do you go from basketball injury to, you know, I actually want to do this?
0: Yeah. So I think I started lifting when I was about 15 or 16. Yeah. And um for basketball? For basketball. Yeah. 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 And like I hated it initially. Yeah. Which yeah. is so weird to think yeah. about now. But initially I just had no interest in it. I was just doing it because I got told to do it. Yeah. And then quickly it fell. Like I just basically fell in love with it. Like it was um I think because I'd always done basketball so much and I was also playing football at the time. Yeah. Those two things had just taken up so much of my life, which I, I loved, but then the gym was almost became like a bit of an escape and something that was just completely different to sure. everything else. So I really enjoyed that. And, um, and, you know, when I moved to Melbourne initially, like I was same height as I am now mm-hmm. and I was about 25 kilos less. Yeah. But I'd been lifting for like three or four years. Mm, so yeah. in my mind, I thought I was shredded. Yeah which I was, but yeah. I also weighed like next to nothing. Like oh, yeah. if it was windy, it was a chance I was going <laughs> to blow away. And, uh, and you know, it was just like through trial and error, um, doing all the wrong things in terms of training and nutrition and um, and almost like borderline having a, a – almost having an eating disorder, I guess, like mm-hmm. a very unhealthy relationship with food and overtraining, under eating. And, um, and it was only when I moved to Melbourne that I kind of took it a bit more seriously in terms of um, – building my knowledge on training and nutrition and mm-hmm. like actually going down the evidence-based kind of science-based, um, cool. uh, route in terms of training and, and food. So yeah, once I built up that knowledge, obviously started trying to use those methods on, on myself and started to see more results. And, and we're still playing basketball, like I said, for the first two years in Melbourne, but just love the gym. Like just everything about it like if you went through like any of my social media stuff there was like barely any basketball stuff it was all just like gym related stuff yeah. I'd go to all the expos um watch all the the youtube channels all that type of stuff and was just obsessed with it and then uh when i had my surgery obviously that was kind of like extremely disappointing in terms of basketball cuz i was pretty set on just playing basketball like i yeah. had no no intentions of doing anything but basketball yeah um but while I was in year 12, I'd done my personal trainer certificate just separate, just online, like over over 12 months, just kind of did it by myself just so I could have it. Um, mm. And before I'd moved to Melbourne, I'd done a little bit of gym, gym instructor work back in Horsham,
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, just kind of dabbled with it a little bit, but basketball was a priority. So once that was kind of taken away, I was like, well, this is a great opportunity now to to step into the gym and, and start working as a PT or at least get a bit of experience, um, a bit more experience. Yeah. And quickly realised that, you know, um, like I loved that lifestyle and I also loved being able to help people mm-hmm. um, face-to-face but then at the same time because I'd started to see results myself and and gone from extremely skinny to a little less skinny, yeah. people were asking me what I'd been doing which has then nice. kind of opened up the door to, to helping some friends with – meal plans and training programs and stuff. And initially it was just literally like, this is what's worked for me. This is what I've been looking into. Try it yourself. And they started to see results. And then Mm. that kind of also led to the online coaching side of things as well. Um, But after a couple of months of kind of working as a PT, there was kind of no chance I was going back. I saw it as a, um, you know, potentially a way to build a a really good career. And and like I said, I just loved it. So Mm. um it kind of changed pretty quickly. I went from being devastated about not being able to play basketball to not really missing it as much as what I thought I would. Yeah. And um, yeah, lots happened since then, but that was kind of what started it all.
1: So how does, how do you go? Because this is a, it's a common situation as well, right? Is, you know, people are introduced to resistance based training and, you know, fitness as we know it now yeah. through a performance-based sport. And most of the time they hate it, right? They love playing the sport, love yeah. to practice, love to training, mm. but the strength and conditioning piece is like not that exciting. Yeah. <laughs> pretty yeah. much. You can like you do it because so, you have to. No, 100% because it's going to help you perform better in that performance sport. So like how did you go from that mindset mm. to, man, I fucking love training. I love the gym. Like yeah, what, think... what was the catalyst for that? I'm not
0: 100% sure, but as I said, like I was very thin. I'd always yeah. done, like I was naturally good at running, mm. um, very much like an ectomorph type body. So going in the gym and, and actually start, even though I was still skinny, I was still mm. building a bit of muscle mass and getting stronger. And um, I think like most people that have been into the gym and started lifting weights, like my self-esteem and confidence and stuff just start to grow. And yeah. um, it was something that I could really focus on. And because I'd come from basically just team sport my whole junior career yeah having something where it was like up to me like everything relied on me like if I put in the work I was going to see the results yeah and eventually that kind of what led me down the path of competing like that True. individual sport mm. which was just everything relied on whether or not I did the work and I that kind of really appealed to me mm-hmm. and the whole discipline side of things and and which is kind of carried over into business which I'm sure we'll talk about but like knowing that you know, other people probably aren't doing the work that I was doing. Like I was training for basketball that often. Mm. So then fitting in the gym would mean I'd be up before school to go and get it done at 6am or yeah. get it done in my lunch break. Or if I had spares in year 12, I'd go and get that gym session done. And yeah. I, I was just kind of addicted to that that feeling of putting in the work that maybe others weren't. And, and yeah. knowing that each time I did it, ultimately it was just better in myself and it was up to me. Didn't really have anything to do with anyone else. Yeah. Whereas all the team sports stuff did. You know what I mean? Like it mm. it doesn't necessarily – just because you put in the work doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to see the results if you're in a team sport.
2: Yeah. Was, no was, was your initial training more performance-based with your basketball background or did you – or was it more just physique? Sort Look, of body, bro, like, let's call it more bodybuilding or was it more
0: basketball? Yeah, the lower body stuff definitely was. Like I dabbled a fair bit with like the whole plyometric mm. stuff and um, a bit of strength, bit of strength training with the lower body. But to be honest, it was pretty like – Hit and miss, really. Yeah. Like I was just going in there and just playing around a bit and mm. getting programs off other people I knew. And and I saw a trainer at the time who set me up with a program, which was kind of similar to the Westside Barbell yep. type of stuff. But to be honest, I didn't like it. Like yeah. I didn't that that t- type of training didn't really appeal to me. And it's mm. funny I talk about it now, but like back then I got given a program that was like strength based. So you know rep ranges between five and and eight, for example. Yeah. And I remember just looking at that, going like there's fucking no chance I'm doing that. I'm like, that's not going to build muscle. Like I'm yeah. not working hard enough if I'm only doing five reps. So yeah. my mindset was very, very much still on that more work is better. So like mm-hmm. I was doing a heap of reps, mm-hmm. um, lighter weight, just kind of smashing myself every time I went to the gym, which yeah. which definitely helped build up a foundation. But in the end of the day, like it wasn't until I really started to like actually train properly and focus on progressive overload and all that type of stuff that mm-hmm. I saw good results. Um I, But yeah probably wouldn't have it any other way but it was there was definitely i could have saved myself a lot of time yeah early on always which is which is why contact, i right. like i enjoy doing what i do now like yeah. getting someone come to me and and say that i'm just starting out at the gym or mm. i want to get fit or whatever me being able to go all right avoid all this shit mm-hmm. and let's focus on this yeah might save you a year two years of stuffing around yeah which in the end of the day kind of brought me to where i am now but if i can help people avoid that
1: oh it's absolutely it's a good feeling yeah, yeah. that's the that's the experience yeah yeah right? So what does your training split look like now? My training split
0: now is relatively high volume. Uh-huh. Um, I'm currently doing a, a five-day split. So Monday, Tuesday is kind of my strength or heavy days. So I'll do an upper body day and a lower body day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second half of the week go into more volume and hypertrophy-based okay. um, training and, and do kind of upper body push, legs, and an upper body pull. So hitting each okay. muscle group twice per week. Yeah one day being a, a lower rep, higher higher intensity day, and then the other day being a higher volume, lower yeah. weight.
1: Yeah, and you found that's, that you know obviously works best for you right now, right?
0: Yeah, it works best for me right now. Like yeah. I, I enjoy that style of training. I enjoy um, being able to kind of do like two different, st- in a way, two different styles of training in the same week. Yeah, um, keeps well, one, interesting one of the questions
1: we always get is like bro split or push-pull legs, and you're kind of like, you know, doing fucking everything. Doing <laughs> bit, yeah. Yeah. Strength training, hypertrophy, bro split, yeah. hitting everything twice a week. I think I'm, my body type probably responds better
0: to a little bit less volume yeah. and more intensity because, because I am, because mm-hmm. I do burn through calories so much, but sure. I find it hard to not, I find it hard to back off a bit. So ideally yeah. I'd train seven days a week. Yeah. Um, but I think in terms of making progress, it's probably not ideal. So uh-huh. the five day split, Sometimes turns into six anyway. Just mm-hmm. go and hit some basically whatever I feel like on the day on that sixth day. But for now, I'm trying to get those everything twice a week and um, yeah. one strength day and one hypertrophy day. So what do
1: you think is ideal? What's the what's I the, honestly what's the... think,
0: like in my opinion, yeah. Um, as a natural lifter, I think that if I'm doing chest on a Monday and then I'm not doing chest again until the next Monday, mm-hmm. I think that I will have well and truly recovered. Sure. In time to mm. have done it again mm-hmm. before then. Mm-hmm. In saying that, I think that by doing a little bit less volume on that first one mm-hmm. and then doing a second one where you're doing similar amount of volume but trying to push more weight mm-hmm. um for me works better because over the span of that week I've done more than whether I've just gone in and just smashed chest. Yeah. In the one session. Yeah. Um chest being a good example, like it's probably one of my weaker areas. So like mm-hmm. last night, last night's session that we did was an awesome session. We trained chess. Yeah, yep. we did. And I struggled to keep up. So like if yep. you if you look at last night, for example, like the first couple of lifts, I was all right in terms of what weight I was pushing. Yeah. As the session went on, that weight dropped, dropped off a off, lot yep. and I fatigued very quickly. Whereas if mm-hmm. I'd have gone in last night and done, let's say a little bit less volume mm-hmm. and focus more on pushing a bit more weight and then a few days later going in and done a similar amount of volume again yep. and focus on pushing the weight again, over the span of the week, I feel like I will have pushed more. Mm-hmm. Whether or not that's optimal or not, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's that's my opinion. It's all anyway. about just what
2: muscle fibers you're recruiting and and yeah, your endurance I guess. When it comes down to it, and I'm, I guess I'm the same as well. Is when yeah, or when you're doing because I, I do push pull legs normally myself. Yeah. Okay, um, so yeah, that's obviously why I can be stronger in the first two exercises and then. Yeah, towards the end when Joe starts doing all his flies and stuff is mm-hmm. when I really fall off. Whereas Joe does that's what Joe does, is Joe will go in and do yeah. forty working sets for, yeah. for each muscle group and mm. And
0: it's funny because I enjoy that style mm-hmm. that we did last night. Mm-hmm. So it's trying to find that balance between what's more enjoyable and what's gonna get me the results. Yeah. Which is kind of what I think, which is why I like that strength day, and then a high rep day. So like that first day of the week where I'm doing the upper body, I might only do one or two chest movements and mm-hmm. really focus on pushing weight. Yeah. And then that second uh, second session in the week where I'm doing upper body push, I'll just go in and do a heap of volume Yeah. and get my compound, one or two compounds out of the way early. Mm-hmm. And then whatever I feel like on the day, just, just kind of get a lot of volume in and, and just enjoy it. Because mm-hmm. uh, in the end of the day, like I say this to my clients all the time, like the most like Optimal program mm-hmm. means jack shit if you don't enjoy it or don't stick to it. So, like, I think enjoyment yeah. still has to be up there with one of the main priorities. Mm-hmm. If it fits your lifestyle, right? yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: You got to, you know, if you if you're if you're trying to do things that are abrasive to the lifestyle you want to live, that therefore are not enjoyable mm. to you, you're not going to be consistent with them for long enough to get the results that you want to get that's it comes down right? to
2: everything though. even with diet if you give, yeah, give someone understand. a shit diet that's chicken and broccoli they're not going to stick to it for very long whereas if you give yeah. a diet that someone enjoys or more food obviously to, to, to an extent a diet they enjoy yeah, um, yeah they're much going to stick out to it for a longer period of time whether if you give them a workout and they absolutely hate it um, I mean, if you go and give someone battle ropes every single day, and they fucking hate battle ropes, or give someone burpees and they hate burpees, they're not going to kick on. And they stick to it. Yeah, the, yeah, and especially you, even as as a trainer, if if you've got clients that are adamant that they hate burpees, and every day you come in and you smash them with burpees, mm. else you're going to lose a client pretty quickly after a while. So yeah, I think particularly with nutrition, that's important in
0: terms of um, enjoyment. Like obviously, a lot of people have um, different opinions on like flexible dieting, for example. But mm-hmm. for me, like my the demographic that I work with mostly. With the exception of like the athletes and stuff that I might work with, even even with them, like to varying degrees, they're still following like flexible dieting. But for the general population, or whatever, I'm just like, What what is the point of sticking to this meal plan that you hate that you in your mind are going like I've only got six weeks left until I can finish this shit? Yeah. Yeah. Or me saying to you, All right, follow these macros roughly. Try and fit in the, the stuff that you enjoy. Mm-hmm. Don't cut out the things that you enjoy most. Mm-hmm. And over the span of the next 12 months, you're going to see far greater results. And the same with, same with training, like you just said, like if you yeah. if you hate burpees, why do it? Or even, even things like, you know, squats to a degree. Like if you're not a powerlifter mm-hmm. and you have to squat, mm-hmm. if you're just someone that goes into the gym and wants to see results and you hate squatting, then don't squat. Yeah. There's so many other exercises that you could be doing that are going to stimulate Mm. the muscles and and expend energy that you can do that you do enjoy. Yeah. That'll ultimately still get you to the same end result that you want to be at. Yeah. Um, But
1: we're, you know, and we have this discussion quite a bit, Neve, about, you know, if it fits your lifestyle thing and, you know, doing things that you enjoy and doing things that are not abrasive to the lifestyle you want to live, but there's a line as well, right? There is, yeah. You know, because you, you have to do some shit that you don't enjoy doing. You yeah. know what I mean? Like if you wanna if you wanna lose body fat, okay, you know here's your macros. Mm. Choose meals, choose foods and food types and whatnot that you want to eat. Choose the dieting method that you want to do, but you still have to be in caloric deficit. Yeah, which is and hard. that's gonna suck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? Like yeah. you know, choose exercises that you want to do if you're trying to build muscle and you're trying to be in a hypertrophy rep range. You know, and you don't like squatting. Okay, don't squat, but you're gonna have to do leg press or legacy or whatever. You know, whatever. You're gonna the- have to get out of your comfort zone. Exactly. Like another. it's still, you still going to have to do shit that sucks Mm. so like how do you i mean with your with your clients for example you know where firstly where do you draw that line and then secondly what tips methods do you use to encourage people to to you know do the stuff that they perhaps don't enjoy doing
0: yeah well i try and make it um not Blunt's probably not a good word, but like yeah. I try and be upfront with, with everyone, especially when I first start with a client. Is, and yeah. the first thing, I, first thing I say is, one, obviously I want you to enjoy the process, but two, it is going to be hard. Mm. Like I'm not going to try and sugarcoat it and say that, you know, I've got this program that's that you barely have to do any work. You only have to do five minutes a day, all this bullshit. Like yeah. that's just not how it is. Like in the end yeah. of the day, if you want to get a result, you're going to have to put in the work and that's all there is to it. Yeah. Um, so, so they know that upfront. But in terms of, of making sure it is sustainable, is it does have to be I- enjoyable to an extent. I think measurable is is something that needs to be mm-hmm. um, in a variable that's in there as well. Like mm-hmm. if I give someone, especially like I'll use females for an example, like mm-hmm. I, my female demographic of clients has gone up a lot in the past, kind of 12 to 18 months. And I'm really big on teaching girls how to lift properly. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the girls that come in have just done cardio their whole life, of are scared of weights. Yeah. And I try and change that with them. So it's really cool to then see like six months down the track, girls coming in and saying like, all right, I want to hit you know X amount of weight for X amount of reps on deadlifts today. Mm-hmm. But because we have been building that up over time and they've got something that they can measure that progress off, all sure. of a sudden, instead of coming in and going like, oh, I've got 20 minutes of cross trainer, yeah, in their head, they're going like, all right, last week I did 60 kilos for five reps. Mm-hmm. Today, I want to do 60 kilos for six reps or seven reps. So mm-hmm. I think if they have that, that goal that they can work towards mm-hmm. it's measurable and it, and it gives someone something for people to, to look forward to mm-hmm. um, but yeah in the end of the day like you said we spoke about this last night at dinner as well in terms yeah. of business like you're going to have to do the shit that you don't want to do sometimes of course. and that's just kind of all there is to it yeah, yeah. I
2: think I, this I, tells me remember when we went to Port Adelaide Footy Club yeah and we had a look at their nutrition. Yes. And on the wall, they had McDonald's catalogs, like Subway catalogs, <laughs> like like you fast food chains. And they had slight like circled, like the nutritionist had circled ones that yeah. they allowed to have. You can have. Yeah. It's like you you earn six hundred thousand dollars a year. Like pick up a fucking salad, mate.
0: Like you'd be surprised. <laughs> like, it, it actually surprised me. I'm sure you guys are seeing the same thing. But yeah. working with like a number of um, footy players, yeah, in particular, like. Nutrition at a lot of AFL clubs sucks yeah. like in terms of what they get told, in terms of how old school them, their approaches are, in terms of like how broad mm. their guidelines are, in terms of what yeah. they should be eating. Like it's just um, – it blows my mind at how
1: far mm. off they are a yeah. lot of the time. But that's like most performance sports. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it's not 100%. just – let's just not pick on AFL. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. Like, yeah. like yeah. You, you, you know, your background in basketball, like I think back to, you know, when I used to ball out, the nutrition was like – you know, you'd finish a game, and it's like, go have a banana and a bottle of Coke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's no, what I'm saying. I mean, like, that's what I'm mean, saying. No, that's it. Is when, yeah,
2: when, when you're talking about your clients and how do you where do you draw the line of what that is? I mean, you go to that echelon. The line is six hundred thousand dollars a year. Like, you're getting paid. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah exactly. you're getting paid yeah. each month. The average person's yearly wage. Yeah. Like, yeah. like well, and it's
1: about... a short period of time as well. Yeah. Like your your career the span of your career is so short. So and, that, yeah, and, like surely you want to maximize your effectiveness as yeah. an athlete in that yeah. period of time, right?
0: And it but, comes back to that that saying, like, like whatever the actual saying is. But like I, I tell my clients, like if you want something that you haven't had, you have to do something you haven't done. Yeah, yeah. There's a reason why you've come to me in the first place. Mm. There's a reason why all of these other diets haven't worked in the first place. So you mm. need to do something different, otherwise nothing is going to change. And it's interesting yeah.
2: when we've done like the Massive Joe's Challenge before is we gave out calories to people yeah like no this is too many calories and what i've been on before or it's like yeah exactly like we're not going to give you the exact same diet plan you've been following the last three that like, hasn't the last three years <laughs> yeah, like exactly it hasn't yeah. worked you sign up to the challenge to lose weight we give you calories breakdown food a diet breakdown mm. and then you're questioning why we've given it to you and it just blows your mind really that people yeah, like you just said is is you give them something different to do, and they think, "No, it's not what I normally do." Well, that's the problem. Is that's, that's what you normally do? What you yeah. normally do is not working, and that's yeah. the hard
0: hard part about with training and nutrition, and, and nutrition in particular is getting that buy in mm. from clients. Mm. And once you get the buy in, that's when you see the results. But mm. it can be it can
1: be hard. Yeah. Well, it's like we we, we were discussing this last night, driving back from the gym, um, and one of the other things we discussed as well was around consistency, right? And I said mm. I said to you, you know, I had some. Started this year, I you know I went away to the snow and went snowboarding. Then I got sick and shoulder injuries and this and that, or whatever. And I was saying, you know, it feels so good to be like back in the groove, you yeah. know, back in consistent training, consistent eating. I said, you know, we were talking about how good that feels. Yeah. Um, from a from a trainer's perspective, I guess two questions. Yep. Firstly, how do you uh, encourage your clients to? to find consistency, mm. you know, to, to get on that level of consistency to someone who's never kind of experienced it before. Yeah. Um, and then secondly, how do you kind of keep your clients there with consistency? Yeah. You know,
0: um, look, I think the first thing is, um, and I don't want to make it like it. I don't want to make it sound like I'm making it easy for these guys. Cause I'm yeah. not, but yeah. I think sustainability has to be a uh, number one priority for yeah. majority of people, for someone like us, who are willing to do the things where we're outside of our comfort zone yeah. a lot of the time to get a result, mm-hmm. it's in the end of the day, it's just not what most people are going to do. But yeah. for me, I always say to a client, like, let's say, for example, over the span of a week, how many sessions do you want to do? Yeah, If you're a CEO of a big company and you're flat out, you've got a family, then it's obviously we're not going to be training six days a week for an hour and a half every mm-hmm. day. It's just not going to work. So... If you know that on, a, on an average week that you can get in four sessions, mm-hmm. then our minimum is four sessions. Anything above that is a bonus. And we'll, sure. we'll plan those, but we have to get our minimum of four. And then that's consistency over time. So then making sure that I'm, I'm a big, pers- uh, big fan of planning. Mm-hmm. So with all of my clients, I'll get them on a Sunday to try and plan out their week, at least roughly, mm-hmm. in terms of whether it be nutrition, but particularly training, mm-hmm. what their goals are for that week, and then also daily goals. So... Awesome. Um, I'm huge on on writing down three daily goals every single morning and then revisiting that at night because not only is that going to be good for consistency in, in getting things done, but it's also just builds up that momentum with productivity. Mm-hmm. And I think momentum and consistency work so well together. If yep. you're consistently being productive day in, day out, mm-hmm. and it's like those that saying that, you know, like the small things done well, daily mm-hmm. lead to bigger results. So mm-hmm. if they're ticking off though that checklist day in, day out, then they're going to see the results. So with consistency, I think it's really important that they are actually seeing results. So it's hard for, it's hard, especially for a new client to be consistent with their training and their nutrition. If they're not seeing anything. Yeah. Cause it is like, well, well I've, I've been doing this for, you know, even like they'll be like, oh, I've been doing this for two weeks. And I haven't seen anything yet. Yep. So well, you need to be consistent longer than that, but also it's on me to then make sure that in that two weeks, yeah, they are seeing some form of measurable progress to then keep them motivated. So, so what do you going. use
2: to A, keep people on track
0: and then B, to track their results? So in terms of like with, I'll give my online, uh, I'll use my online clients as an example. So I have a, a community Facebook group, like a closed group for my my clients mm. um, where they might share like meal ideas and, and all that type of stuff. But every single Friday they'll check in and it's a pretty detailed check-in in terms of what I ask from them mm-hmm. and then I'll personally get back to them um, whether it be a written response or a video response which I find works really well because it's a bit more personal touch and um, it's easier to get across the point you're trying to get across but of um, in terms of measuring progress like i let's use scale weight for an example. Like I, I think you should either weigh yourself every single day or mm-hmm. not at all. Mm-hmm. So I basically tell them you either weigh yourself every day and take a weekly average or we don't do it at all. Mm-hmm. And even then when they're doing a weekly average, it's still – I try and get them to understand that it's down down the list of importance. Like yeah. I want to look at how consistent you have been, um, You know things like your waist measurement, how your clothes are fitting, progress photos, all that type of stuff, mm-hmm. how you're actually sleeping, performing. Yeah. Yeah. These are all massive – factors in progress and it's not just a scale weight which can which the majority of the time is especially with females yeah is the half the battle <laughs> 100%. you know like i'll have someone yeah. check in they'll be like Yo, you know my uh my jeans are loose this week i'm looking so good i've trained five days this week i've hit my macros every day but the bloody scales haven't moved yeah. like what should be changed next week and i'm like what I do get? you mean what should
1: you change what should we change exactly. should the scales out <laughs> yeah. that's what you Which should you change exactly
2: <laughs> right <laughs> they say the same with the challenges people give feedback like oh, I'm not happy like I haven't lost any weight yeah it's like, look at the picture side by side you look like a different person yeah yeah like, Yeah. but I'm still 65 kilos in both photos like, I haven't lost any weight so like, yeah but it's but you just don't get it, so...
0: Yeah, I try and... Whenever there is like a a, like a case study or an example of a client that I've had where mm. their scale weight has stayed similar, but there's like night and day difference between their kind of before and after all their progress photos, Yeah, I'll try and keep that as long as they're happy for me to use it and then show new clients to this. I'll say yeah. like, look, over the span of 12 weeks, this person, their weight has barely changed, but look at this and look at this and tell me that their physique hasn't changed completely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... But yeah, in terms of measure, measuring progress, I'm a big fan of that. Like we spoke last night about body scans and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think can be mm-hmm. can be very beneficial because people like to see numbers and see hard evidence of whether or not what they're doing is working. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, on the other hand, I do think it's important that we just don't get caught up on on numbers, the numbers. Yeah, it's too hard because you yep. know, even you said Joe last night with with a prep where you clearly had lost a significant amount of body fat over yep. I don't know how many weeks it was. Three it, weeks. Yeah, yep. and you got a scan and it told you gained body fat. Yeah, you clearly saw that and gone. Well, that's there's zero chance that's happened. It's impossible. Yeah, but for a lot of people, they'll see that and go, well, this is not working. Yep. So, um, if we can try to change that focus and um, and almost. It's kind of hard to to get this across to to clients as well but like if I can get them to understand that it is a longer process and it mm-hmm. does need there does need to be consistency and patience over time mm-hmm. to see the results and take their mindset off the end result and more so on the process mm-hmm. and um uh, it's it's like that trust the process type of thing like you just need to and, and it does come down to in terms of fat loss as well like cortisol levels cuz you're constantly stressed about whether or not the scales are going down. Mm-hmm. Plays a sig- significant role in whether or not you're holding water or whether mm. you're not losing body fat as well. So, eliminating as much stress as possible and making the process as smooth as possible, yeah, in the end of the day, is going to lead to better results. Well, it has it has in
1: the case of my clients anyway. Sure. So, uh, uh, really good advice in terms of you know I, I like the way that you kind of set people up with the tools to be consistent and and measuring progress and and whatnot. I'm interested in the point, and we see this with the Massive Judge Challenge as well, where something happens in life, right? That kind of throws you off. Yeah. Right? So, you know, you, you've set your clients up. They're doing their their checklist every morning, every night. They've got the, the different ways of measuring in place. So they're starting to see progress. They're consistent. They can see the payoff with the consistency. And then something happens in their life, and it just completely derails them. Yeah how do you deal with getting your clients through that and getting them back on track getting them back on track exactly yeah, yeah.
0: and this this is kind of personal preference for for everyone but yeah. I'm a massive com, uh, massive fan of meditation yep so we spoke about this yesterday as you well do. like yeah. I I couldn't recommend it anymore to everyone mm-hmm. really but mm-hmm. I try and um, explain that to a lot of my clients that it's helped me because there's been stuff that I've gone through whatever, where it's thrown me off. Um, and just that daily meditation helps bring it back, but not everyone obviously wants to do that. So, Mm -hmm. um, I'll try and explain a lot that, you know, like a a good or great month Mm -hmm. is far better than a perfect week. Mm -hmm. So you'll have people that have had like five or six days in a row where they've just been spot on and then they'll have gone out and they've had like a couple of beers or something like that and then it's just completely thrown them off yeah. and that's, just, that's small scale it could yep. be something bigger like something happening in the family or uh-huh. whatever it may be uh-huh. and just throws people off straight away Yeah, but if I can try and bring it back as quickly as possible and just get them to realise that in the grand scheme of things like one day or even a week mm-hmm. is not going to make a huge difference if you can bring it back it's when it turns into a few weeks a month yep. a few months where uh-huh. that's when it starts to derail so i use the example of like overeating or binge eating that's a big one. Most people, the next day, will then go drastically, like make drastic changes in terms to mm-hmm. try and bring it back. Mm-hmm. So they're they're in their head, they're going, you know, like I've I've stuffed up here, everything's yep. ruined. Yeah, So I'm gonna do a heap of cardio, train a heap, and just completely cut my calories. Mm-hmm. So then a few days later. Same thing happens. Yeah, never-ending cycles. cycles. So, yeah, I got this this little theory that I like to use with my clients called the goldfish mentality. So, once they've had a bad day, I think it's important to actually recognise it. Yeah, and I, I know I'm not too sure, like if this is really answering your question, because I know you're probably talking more so about something that's out of people's no, control. No, this is exactly
1: but, answering my question. Keep going. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So, um, I think
0: it's important to acknowledge it because you can't just go all right gold goldfish mentality every Saturday when I decide to go out with the boys and, yeah, yeah. and get blind. Yeah. But it's like, all right, this happened yesterday. I overate or What was the reason for it? Let's move on now the next day back to normal. Like mm-hmm. there's no making up for it at all. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm really big on that. I don't think that regardless of whether you go 500 calories over your intake or whether you go 5,000 calories over, mm-hmm. if you're prepping for a show, it's a different story. Of course. Yeah. Obviously yeah. for majority of people, I think the next day, Back to your normal macros or meal plan or whatever yep. nutritional approach you want to follow. Yep. If you're meant to train, you train. If you feel like going for a walk or doing a bit of extra light cardio, feel feel free. But mm-hmm. don't kind of bash yourself up for it and, and try and go to the opposite extreme. Mm-hmm. Cause it's just never ending yeah. over and over and over again. Yep. So um, as long as long as you acknowledge it and it doesn't happen over and over again. Mm-hmm. Cause it just comes down to creating that healthy relationship with food and and which is why I find uh, personally, and, mm. and with a lot of my clients that having that more so of a flexible approach where you're not completely restrictive in terms of what you can and can't do with food and training yep. to be more of a sustainable approach. So Absolutely. there isn't that kind of stigma around like, all right, if I eat pizza, it means I need to eat a whole pizza and then the rest of the day is done. Yeah, It's, if I have a bit of pizza, I'll try and fit it within my calorie intake if I can. Even if I go over, then the next day back to normal, no stress. It's not the end of the
1: world. Yeah. Some great advice. Goldfish mentality. But this is, you know, this is what we we, we find and, and probably a great kind of uh, microscope on a magnifying glass is the Massive Joe's 10 Week Challenge mm. uh, because it exemplifies this. But, you know, most people, you set them up correctly, like you set your clients up, you give them all the tools, you give them ways of measuring, they're able to see the, the, the feedback loop is quite small from, you know, the inputs, the effort that they're putting in and the outputs, the results that they're getting. But then the difference, you know, what kind of sets people apart from those that do achieve their health and fitness goals and those that don't is how they deal with challenges, Mm. how they deal with things that kind of get thrown at them left food, whether it's a, a, a sickness, an injury, you know, something happens to their kids, something happens in their family, something happens at work, these external stresses that most of the time you don't have a lot of control over how do you like navigate that? Yeah. And those people who are able to navigate that and do have, you know, what you said, the goldfish mentality, mentality I kind of think of it, I like to, to encourage people to kind of zoom out and get some get some perspective, perspective. on the whole situation. Yep. Right? Yeah. And that's like you said as well, you know, a, a good month is better than a perfect week. Yeah. A hundred percent. And that's just that zooming out perspective yeah. mentality. Those people who are able to do that and go, you know what? If I can just get through this, mm. get shit back on track and continue to be consistent in the big scheme of things, this is just a, a speed bump.
0: Yeah, it's kind of cool to look at um, even completely different completely different examples, someone like LeBron James yeah. or Kobe Bryant or someone oh. like that. You can yeah. watch some of their games where they've had three quarters or even yeah. three and a half quarters where they've yeah. absolutely stunk it up, Yeah, turned it over, yeah. missed every shot, yeah. they're down, and then – they're not thinking about any of that. They've yeah. like, they've let that go. Like it's yeah. happened. You can't change it. Focus on what you can control. And that's something that I say a lot is that just focus on what you can control. Like mm. if you've got an injury, then there's no point spending your week thinking about, Oh fuck, I can't train because I've got a sore leg. I can't train because I tore my hammy. Yeah. Everything else goes out the door. Like, no, like eat well, Yeah, do the things you can do. And then when you can control it, then, then focus on it then. But for now it's not a priority. So just leave it. But yeah, to watch guys like, professional athletes in, in any field, really um, those like absolute superstars where nothing phases them, where they're still going to take that last shot. They're still going to completely forget about all the shots yeah. they've missed yeah, and then finish the game strong. And more often than not, it ends well for them. Yeah. Um, compared to someone else, you look at another player who who might be the complete opposite. They've missed their first couple of shots and that's it. They're not going to shoot it again. Yeah, they get caught up. In yeah, it. or yeah. that one, one mistake turns into a string of mistakes for the rest of the game and they're done because they're just mentally going over that same thing over and over again. Yeah. But when it's out of your control, then there's it's not worth thinking about. And I can't even remember the saying, so I'm not even going to try because I'll stuff it up. But I listened to a podcast with Tony Robbins yeah. and he, he brought up this really good point about how so far too many of us just focus on one what we don't have and mm-hmm. two what we can't control
3: mm-hmm.
0: it's absolutely worth none of our energy yeah so instead focus on what you can control and what you do already have like this, that's all there is to do like it, outside of that it's it's a waste of time just waste and energy
1: yeah, yeah absolutely and, it's not and gonna and achieve space. anything Yeah.
2: And thought it's, it's funny how people deal with those kind of things and deal with setbacks and deal yeah. with is, is as you said is the people that do you try and go and do that extra cardio the day after or and I think that's probably the biggest thing is when people try and take things back into their own hands, especially you'd see this as a personal trainer, is they've had a shit meal and they'll try and go and jig their own diets or, and not actually trust the process, Yeah, which I think is a downfall for most people in their diets mm. is they don't trust what the the personnel are saying. It's funny. I remember, This isn't just, just a funny story, but I remember Joel he was telling me that his best mate or one of his good mates used to go out and drink every day. I used to drink every Saturday night, and then go out the Sunday and just run as far as you could until he threw up. Turn around and run home. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, is like, is it really worth going and yeah. drinking that Sunday night? Yeah. And every weekend, every Sunday, you'd run until you would run till he threw up and then walk and run run home again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and like it's funny. Sometimes I actually, like, I
0: almost feel feel bad in terms of like online coaching in particular but like i'll i'll have someone check in and one of the kind of things that they need to put in their check-in is their level of consistency out of 10 for that week with training and food i'll have a check-in and it'll be like you know training 10 out of 10 nutrition five out of 10 uh waist measurement has stayed the same Mm -hmm. weight's the same what do we change next week (laughs) are you kidding me turn that five into yeah. an eight or a nine or a yeah. ten yeah and then come back next week and then we'll reassess so it's yeah. just like you're making my job a bit too easy here and i wish i could tell you more but there is nothing more yeah, to it yeah. like it's like it's right yeah
2: there. so how do you this is i guess a bit, bit more business but how do you get guy? do you find there's much of a, a massive difference between your online clients and in face-to-face clients in terms of them sticking to their plans and sticking to... Because I know when I've done online stuff before is because you don't have that face-to-face interaction, it's very easy for people to lie. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously, if, if you're at the gym and you see them at the gym and you see them training and you see them putting in the work with you, whereas if they're just in a different state, yeah, it's very easy for them to say, oh, yeah, I trained every week. But, I mean, how, how do you deal with those kind of people who probably aren't quite as upfront with how upfront, they've been? Yeah. It definitely varies a lot.
0: What I've found with, with my coaching group in particular is that like a lot of them in there now, obviously when you get someone new, it, like it's, it's that whole learning process again, but for majority of them, it's just the accountability. They know what to do. Mm-hmm. They, they pretty much know what I'm going to tell them to do, mm-hmm. but They just want that accountability there. And something that I've found has worked really well from a business perspective and results for them is having that closed group where they can all engage with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can also see like, you know, Neve checked in this week and mm. he's had a shit week. It's not just me that's had a shit week or, yeah. you know what I mean? So it's yeah. it's, it's knowing that you're not me. the only one. Yeah. And, you know, if there's mm. certain questions that some people have and then, and others are most likely thinking the same thing, um, that everyone kind of goes through the same thing. So, yeah. But it definitely in terms of online, especially with new clients, it you can tell straight away when mm. when someone hasn't been compliant to yeah. to mm. what you've asked them to do. But um, and I just try and make it as comfortable for them as possible, and make sure that they know that never. I, I would much rather you just be honest with me and tell me that you haven't stuck to what we've planned on doing this week, than to just kind of bullshit me each week yeah. and just spin around around yeah. around in circles. Because in the end of the day, you're the one that's not seeing the results. So. Mm. Um, and, and the more and more you do that, it just becomes a, a recurring pattern like anything else in life. Like if you're just doing the same thing over and over again, you end up telling yourself a lie. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I've had a good week this week.
3: Yeah.
0: Well, no, yeah, you, well, you really haven't. You haven't yeah. every single day if, you've, you've, you know, you might have hit your macros, but you've also eaten this, this, and this, that you've mm-hmm. chose not to track for the day. Yeah. And that just becomes normal. Yeah. So then all of a sudden you're not just lying to me, you're lying to yourself as well. So. Yeah. I can make it as comfortable as possible for them, and I've found the groups worked really well
1: mm definitely i want to uh, and we we've kind of gone there already, but I want to kind of change gears a little more and head towards the business side of things and cool. in in particular you know you've been able to to carve yourself uh, uh you know a pretty good reputation in the personal training space of the health and fitness industry, which is undoubtedly incredibly saturated. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of PTs trying to, you know, do something, get mm. their name out there, grab attention, build a client base. You've done it very, very well, um, and you know you train some pretty, pretty well-known people as well. Um, how have you done that? What advice can you give? to the PT's listening right now going fuck man like Danny's killing the game how did Danny kill the game <laughs> <laughs> cuz i don't a, even know where to start
0: yeah i think there's a few there's a few main things that i would say and this is what I, i've been getting more and more kind of new PT's kind yeah. of coming to me for advice which of is course. cool which yeah. is pretty cool yeah um first thing is that you know one especially with social media now yeah a lot more focus has just gone on putting out crazy content and, mm-hmm. and posting on social media and the focus has gone away from actually being a good trainer. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. even now like as you know, and I don't think my following is is big at all in comparison to a lot of people, but like now that my following has started to grow a bit, mm-hmm. people come up to me and kind of ask me stuff about like, you know, like influencer stuff. And I was like in the end of the day, like I'm a trainer. This like the social media stuff is just like a byproduct of what I'm doing as what a you trainer. Do as a
1: professional yeah. But
0: for me it's still about making sure that Anytime I can, any opportunity I can get to increase my knowledge on training and nutrition, I'm mm-hmm. doing that. Because mm-hmm. in the end of the day, I'm providing a service to the clients. I'm not there to promote them on Instagram. I'm there to actually get them a result. So what we spoke about last night is that, you know, I've been doing this now. This is my seventh, sixth or seventh year as mm-hmm. a PT. Mm-hmm. So it definitely happened a lot slower than than what I expected. But a lot of people don't see that now. They'll just come, they'll follow me on Instagram and see like, oh, he's training X, Y, and Z. Yeah. How good is this? I want to do that. Yeah. But they the don't t- see t- t- the, the, the last aspect. six or seven years where yeah. I've been like building up consistently, you know, getting up at 4.30 every morning, doing the hours, like going to all the seminars, doing the the knowledge side of things as well mm-hmm. and actually putting in the hours, training clients, training myself and, and being consistent with it all. And consistency and patience is like the biggest thing that most people don't want to hear. Mm. But it's the biggest, it's been the biggest contributing factor to how I've got to where I am now. And Mm -hmm. we even spoke about it with the podcast in terms of like not seeing much progress over time, but just keep, keep doing the same thing, but be consistent with it. And Mm -hmm. even with the social media side of things, like I use my social media, um, as a way to provide value and, and, um, and relatable content to people. But even that, like with my Instagram, I started that five or six years ago and Mm -hmm. have put out a post pretty much at at least (laughs) one post every single day. As soon as stories has come up, I feel that with just helpful content, mm-hmm. whether it be lifting technique, whether it be advice about nutrition or whatever, just day in, day out. Mm. And it's just that consistency and, and actually being patient and not trying to go for the, the quick the quick sell or whatever it may be yeah. as a PT. And then the other the other thing that has just like literally changed everything for me is actually just not being afraid of someone saying no. Mm-hmm. Like when people ask me about training like higher profile people or whatever... Especially early on, a lot of that, a lot of those opportunities, and the same thing with some of the guests I've had on the podcast has just been me reaching out to people mm-hmm. with no, no uh, fear of them saying no, because mm. someone, someone said this to me not long ago: is like, the fear that a lot of people have about you know failure, whether it be someone saying no or something not happening or that them losing something, has already happened mm-hmm. if you haven't asked. Yeah. So if I wanted to do a podcast, like even when I reached out to you. When we did the podcast a couple of years ago, yeah, like if I wanted to do that podcast with you and I'm in my head, I'm like, I'm not going to ask because what if he says no, Yeah, then it's still the same result. I've already, I've already, that that's already a reality because that's we right. still haven't done it. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the, like there's been a few opportunities that have come about where, which have pretty much drastically changed the, the path of what my kind of life looks like at the moment mm-hmm. because I've just reached out to people. Um, and there's been so many people that have like said no, or, and, and I think the big thing for me is that it's, it's always about providing value first and basically just providing value. Mm -hmm. And then, so, um, what's, what's a good example. Um, I'll use Will Sparks as an example. Mm -hmm. Um, I was training a friend of his, um, Mitchell, I don't know if you've watched any of the angry dad videos yeah 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 yeah, hilarious yeah and you and his girlfriend as well now yeah 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 yeah, Yeah, so I trained Chloe as well (laughs) yeah exactly um but even Mitch for example like he had a huge following already and someone tagged me in a post about of his saying that like he wanted help with nutrition so Mm. I I literally dm'd him on Instagram said hey man would love to help you with your nutrition um and and hope you get some results like what have you done in the past blah 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 and he almost wrote back as if to say like do you not want anything in return or like, um, thanks heaps. I'm like, look, he wrote back and said, um, you know, I'd love your help. Um, I'll put up a post for you on Instagram. I'm like, look, don't worry about the post. Let's just worry about getting your results first. If you're, Mm. if you're happy with how everything goes, then yeah, that'd be sweet. If not, like I'm not stressed. Like I just want to help you first. Yeah. And in my mind, obviously he he has a good following. So I'm like, if I can get him results, it's going to help me with my business, but I'm not, the first thing I think is not like, oh, I'm gonna try and get exposure out of this person. It's like yeah. I wanna I wanna genuinely help you. And then after training him, I eventually met Will. Um get talking to Will about how I'm training one of his mates and then all of a sudden Will wants to come and train and then yeah. that obviously leads to more um opportunities. Train Mitch's girlfriend now, who she just happens to have a huge following mm. as well, mm. um, which then leads to a larger female audience. So yeah. like all these things just kinda like gradually just happen. Mm. All well they don't just happen.
1: You're you're driving them, right? I am driving them, but if, if I haven't
0: a, if I don't send that DM to to Mitch saying, That's like, I want right. to help you, yeah. or if I send him a DM saying, Hey, I will help you with nutrition in return for an Instagram post, yeah. none of this stuff happens. Yeah. So like it's funny sometimes to like just kind of reverse engineer like where things are at right now and mm. bring it all the way back to like, oh, I messaged this guy that day and asked if he wanted to catch up for
1: coffee.
0: Mm. He brings up this, this leads to that, and then all of a sudden this is just turned into this. Yeah which is pretty crazy
1: you can't join uh, you can't join the dots looking forward you can only join them looking back
0: right yeah and um, yeah. I think I think I don't know whether it's a, an ego thing for some people or whether it's um, just fear of rejection I don't know what it is but like a lot of people won't do that because either they think they're too entitled already mm-hmm. or they are worried about people saying no or, or things not working mm-hmm. out and that's just something that I haven't haven't worried about um, another feel like i'm just telling stories here but like another thing with um, but this
1: is this is the this is the juice right here right yeah you know and i'll tie this all together for you because i'm just like my my mind is like i'm trying (laughs) to find the common (laughs) denominators here but keep
0: going even even with my podcast i i listened to a a podcast called the um small business big marketing podcast by timbo Reed, which has been like a really popular podcast in australia and i um i emailed him one day and just said look I don't know. I didn't even know where he lived. Mm. I knew he was in Australia, but I said, if you're in Melbourne and you want to train and you need need help with um, any training, I'd, I'd love to um, take you for a few sessions and, and set you up with the program, whatever. And then mm. that was it. And mm. then, and then um, I said, like, I've got a podcast. It'd be really cool. If, um, if after one of our sessions, if, if you can kind of, kind of mm. just give me some feedback on it and that's it. Mm-hmm. A couple of months later, he emailed back and then, you know, we went back and forth for literally like two or three months until eventually he came in and then, he, and now he's one of my clients and mm. introduces me to other people and helps me with my podcast and gives me some pointers and absolutely tore mm. my podcast to shreds, <laughs> which was just, <laughs> just, just very exciting. But yeah. in the end of the day, like it's it All was perfect. Yeah. Right. It's, so again, it's just like kind of taking that not even a risk, it's not even a risk, literally yeah. like asking a question. Yeah. It just, le- just leads to so much more.
1: It's it's funny because, you know, you tell these stories and, and obviously the stories you're telling are the, the stories of success, right? The the person you reached out to yeah. said yes, the yeah, exactly. email, the DM, you said that you got a positive response, yeah. but I'm 100% certain that there's been many, many more oh. where you've reached out to people and you have been rejected. Well, they have said no. Way you know, more. Way more. So I just want the, the listeners and the viewers to, to firstly understand yeah. that, is there's a lot more underneath the iceberg than the tip that you see above the water. And that's always the case across every single successful business that I have been able to talk to you know, people, the people behind it. That's always the, the consistent thing is, man, there's so much shit. Oh. Beneath the surface uh, that you ju- you just never hear about, right? Because you you see the tip of the iceberg, you see the successes, and you see the you know the the positives of everything, and those are the stories that you tell as well, because mm. you know those are the ones that people yeah. But want there's,
0: you. without a doubt, there's been way more yeah. messages, emails, yeah, um, even talking in person opportunities that just have not happened, yeah. But compared true. to the ones that have, of like, course, without a doubt, and ten times, and probably th- a hundred times. Oh yeah, and with, yeah, and. The other side of that as well is um, especially with people that are just starting out as a personal trainer now. Yeah. yeah. Is I've done so much shit for free. Mm. I've like done so many things that have not paid a cent. And whether yeah. it be for someone or whether it just be yeah. you know, like we spoke about last night, like just trial and error with things that have taken up so much of my time. Yeah. Um, potentially could have been used trying to make money or whatever it is, yeah. but in the long term, like that's mm. now led to the point where it's helped me get in a position where I can be making more money for things that
2: in the past I've been doing for free. So it's going to be my next question is with someone who is looking to start an in-person or one-on-one in person or one on one face to face personal training business is, and I've, Because I've I've got my PT qualifications like ten years ago, yeah, and I just fucking hated personal training. Yeah, Um, I enjoy being in the gym, but I hated training people in the gym. Um, But the thing was, is is you hear two sides of the story, and even recently talking to people and just getting people because we do have a lot of personal trainers that that watch and and potential business owners. I want to be doing what you're doing, but when people are looking at initially building their client base and their their clients one-on-one clients, in your opinion. What's your thought on like free sessions and and those kind of those kind of initiatives? Because you look at two sides of the story, yeah. and you look at your your brand worth. Mm. Like if your Supreme aren't giving away backpacks for free to try and get Supreme out into people's hands, they're mm. charging three hundred bucks for a Supreme backpack. Yeah, and you buy it, you buy it. If not, well, you're not the people we're trying to target. Mm. Same with personal training. Is a, do you start or did you recommend at all like offering free sessions to people or or without trying to look to devalue your brand and say, look, I know within myself I've put in, I've got 10 years worth of experience. I've got these qualifications. My price is a hundred bucks. Take it or leave it. Or do you say, look, everyone I'm giving away a free session or two free sessions or one free session. Come let me book you in. I've got 20 spots available this week and just pump it out and hopefully transition them into clients. Or or do you look at the value side of things? I think initially
0: you have to have some form of social proof. Mm. And I I did this with online coaching and PT. Like Mm. there was definitely sessions and it wasn't like a heap, but it was like a select few at the start where I got a good group of people that I knew were going to actually put in the work and and give me some return for the work that I was putting in, Mm. not financially, but in terms of results and build up that social proof. But then once you've built up that social proof, I think it is – it can be pretty damaging to your brand in mm. particular mm-hmm. and the value of your service if you're just constantly offering free stuff so like now i never offer any free sessions i don't do any like two for the price of one any of that type of stuff and some people look at that and go like well why not but i'm like well like you just said before you look at the people that are the the best at what they do mm. they're not they're not doing that because they—they're mm. what their services is offering is is valued. Mm. Um, but I think the social proof side of things is massive, and and something that I learned really early on is that you have to actually take care of the clients that you have now. Yeah. So a lot of personal trainers are that focused on the next client or the next thirty clients they want, or they want a full book, yeah. and they're not even valuing Fantastic. the ones they have now. Mm. So like taking care of what you actually have, like yeah. I said before, focusing on what you do have, not what you don't have, mm. will then lead to think more down the track but if I'm if I've got a client that I'm getting results with they're absolutely loving it and to this day the best form of marketing for me is referrals yeah, yeah. Like of people course. people talk if I'm training yeah. Joe and he's seeing awesome results he's gonna he's gonna talk mm. or people are gonna ask him what he's doing yeah so whereas if I'm training Joe and three months down the track he's like oh fuck this like Danny's here and all he's worried about is trying to get another client or he's he's late to our sessions he's he's more focused on this and he's out our, our mm. sessions and he just wants to put me in where anywhere so I can get new clients in here. Like you're going to leave eventually, or you're not going to go and rave about me to someone else. Yeah. The word of mm. mouth's not going to be good.
3: Yeah. It's going to so, be
0: either non-existent or negative or negative. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think in terms of making sure your brand is valued over time, it definitely mm. needs to move away from that, that mm. free stuff. But, and it may not even necessarily be the, the actual training, like giving up your time, um, for someone else mm. for free, mm. but it's all the other little things outside of that that you do to build up your brand that you're not getting paid to do.
1: And you're the perfect example of that. And this is when I when I just spoke a few minutes ago about tying the the common themes together. Yeah, two of the things that you've done in all the stories that you tell, and you know through practice of what you're actually doing. Um, and I do want to talk about the podcast in particular. We'll get there in a second. Yeah, but the two things that you're consistently doing is firstly adding value. In the primary sense is actually, you know, how can you, that's your mindset. You can just see it is how can I add value? It's never about how can I extract value? Mm. It's how can I add value to a particular client or to a particular group of people or to social media or whatever it is. It's you're always trying to add value. And the second thing you're doing is you're actually taking action. Yeah. Right. And a lot of personal trainers, I would imagine that come to you and they come to us for advice as well. I don't know fucking why, but they do (laughs) is... Firstly, they're always thinking about extracting value, you Mm. know. So, you know, how do I get the full book? How do I generate X number of dollars per session per week, whatever it may be, instead of thinking about You know, how can I add value to people in the first instance? And the second thing is they sit around and twiddle their fucking thumbs and don't actually do anything. And that can be, you know, fear of failure. It can be fear of self-doubt. It can be ego, like you said. It can be fear of other people's opinions. Whatever it is, there's something that prevents them from actually doing, from actually taking action. Yeah, And, I mean, you're a prime example of if your primary focus is to add value to people and you're actually willing to do shit
0: yeah like exactly this is what can happen exactly right and and as I was saying it doesn't necessarily have to be trading a session for free it could yeah. be like especially now with how powerful social media is and yeah. podcasting and everything it could be spending two hours every single day putting together content mm. building an email list Putting out helpful content on mm. Instagram and not just pictures of yourself looking yeah. good. Yeah. Um, it could be starting a podcast where you are providing value mm. and starting to grow that audience. Because even now, like, I'll, I'll get people that come to me and, like, and I never now, oh, sorry, that was sh- shocking English, but I never, uh, <laughs> English, good, uh, never like try and get new clients now. Like, I never yeah.
2: put out a post saying, like, looking for new personal training clients. It's yeah. funny to see, like, the same people, like, just Had three spots open up. I'm like, you just had three spots open up last week. Yeah, I just had limited, to, limited, session over limited, 30 to, 30 limited to three spots only. It's like, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. yeah. It, but you can see straight through that kind of shit. You can. Yeah, you can see straight through it, um, which is, I suppose, different than what you're going to say, but it's but just if yeah, you're, you're providing just, yeah, value yeah,
0: in yeah. some way. People will come yeah. to it to eventually for help. Like we spoke about yeah. last night, like yeah. a lot of the inquiries I get now about personal training is not like it's definitely not, oh, I saw this ad on Instagram that you put up asking for new PT clients and yeah. um, I saw it and I came straight in. It was yeah. like, been following your stories on Instagram for the past That's six cool. months. It's been listening to your podcast. It's been been on your email list for mm. the last 12 months and you provided so much value. You helped me with this, helped me yeah. with that. And for me, it might just be something, and for you guys as well, it could be like something in your head that you're like, oh, everyone knows this, mm. but they don't. Mm. It could be something really small, but someone might see that and go, that could completely change the way that they train or the way that they 100%. eat and for the better. Yeah. Um, so that's why when I do put out content it is like is it going to be helpful? Is it relatable? And yeah, like shareable? Is it going to be is it going to have some value to this mm. person or it's at least one person that sees it? Mm. Because that could ultimately then lead to them coming back to you and that's what's what I've found.
1: Look, is from happening from, now. from from a from a real hardcore business perspective, right? And this applies to any business. If you want to get, if you want to convert somebody, if you want to turn somebody from a non-customer into a customer, the first thing that you need is their attention, mm-hmm. right? If you don't have their attention and they don't know who you are, they don't know who your business are, they don't know what you do, you're never, ever going to be able to convert them. Impossible. So then the question becomes, okay, well, how do I get someone's attention? Mm. Do you add value to them? Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. Right you produce something that's valuable to them because attention is the most valuable asset we have when we're giving someone someone our attention we're giving them our time, time. right and time is the most valuable, more valuable than money. you Hands can't down. get more of it yeah once it's gone it's gone it's the most valuable asset we have, yeah the only way you're going to get somebody to give up their time and therefore their attention to you is to produce something equally as valuable. Mm, valuable. Right. And I think a lot of people just miss that. So they'll put up a post to get people's attention. Like I got three spots left in, in my fucking book this week. That's not adding, it might grab people's attention, but it's not adding value. Whereas you're doing your your Instagram and your Instagram stories and your podcast and yeah. you're just continually adding as much value as you can to get people to give up their time, to get people to give up their attention. Yeah. And then when you go from the hardcore business uh, line of trying to convert someone into a customer, it's fucking easy. So they have just given you their most valuable asset. Yeah. Now you're asking for their second or third most valuable asset, which is being them paying you for a service. That's it. Like, and this is probably a
0: bad example because they're such a big company and big brand, but you look at Apple, Yeah. Apple have never got ads on TV or online going like, here's a new iPhone. This is all the features you should come and buy. it. It's only this much. Yeah. It's like, fuck, there's a thousand people waiting out front of the Apple store because they heard there's a new phone out today and they don't even know what the features are. They just want it. Yeah. So it's like, for me, it's the same thing. Like I want someone to email me or DM me saying like, Hey, do you have any availability? Can I come and train with you? Yeah not like how much you got. I'm. I'm never going to write back to someone and be like, oh, come on, like come and train. I'll give you a discount. Like, but like now.
3: Nah.
2: Yeah. So with, like with your content, for example, is how much time do you put into each post? I mean, cause the biggest thing we probably see and Joey calls it analysis paralysis. Yeah. They spend too long Agonising over the perfect angle, and, and obviously you, you know being a bodybuilder as well is the right downloading into my abs look like the popping. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is my gh my gh gut not fucking hanging out too much? <laughs> like these kind of stuff. But yeah. like, how long do you spend on each post, or how do you do you plan it in advance? Because like, I know you do a lot of uh, videos of your clients training mm. and form, and girls obviously doing, and you explain the exercise yeah. and stuff. I mean, is that something do you sort of worry too much about creating? apple type content whereas they've got the no. perfect picture or or is it more just I just want to get my message out to people and yeah I, I think because the main thing we I see is to. a lot of people said I don't know what to post whereas yeah. like obviously there's other people who are like I just like you said you're just giving them val- uh, valuable information yeah I used to I used to try and like plan it too much I used to think way too
0: much about what I was going to post make sure every post was perfect mm. now people ask me like oh you know like what's your post schedule like how do you how do you figure out what content you're going to do? And this is it. Literally, like I'll be, we'll, we'll be here and we'll talk about something, and I'll be like, "Fuck, that's a good idea." Mm. I'll go to the airport after this, and I'll write a daily email and mm. be like, "I was just seeing it at Massive Joe's HQ, and we're talking about this, mm. and this is something that I reckon could help you guys." Or mm. with my stories, I'll be in the gym with the client, and we'll be doing an exercise, and I'll be like, "I reckon this people always fuck up on this." Mm. Put a, get a video, draw a few arrows on it. Yeah, so you always got videos, your lines like, on
2: there. You got your lines on there, and you've got your. Cause I've seen you all do all that kind of stuff with like a back yeah. and on straight away. Like, there's yeah. no like, it doesn't need to be polished. Like, if I'm if I'm looking at content that's helping
0: me, I'm not mm. going like, "Fuck like, is a good filter." Mm. I'm going like, "Ah, oh, I always think, always stuff this exercise up. This is what this is going to help me a lot." Yeah, and I do like I have like started to hire like a videographer to come in and get some good content now because like I think it still is to an extent important to have like good content. But in the end of the day, if it's going to be helpful, like you're better off having. Do you follow any of Grant Cardone's stuff? Mm-hmm. Of course. So I think he's he's a really good example. Like yeah. he just puts out so much stuff mm. and he's not worried about whether or not it's the perfect content. Even his podcast, like it's a big podcast, but his sound quality is shit. Mm. But the content is awesome. Mm. And to an extent, I think it needs to be good enough quality, obviously that it's consumable. Yeah. Um, but if the content is good and it's helpful, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So like my emails is literally like, for example, yesterday I, I put up a thing on my story asking what, Topics people want to hear about for daily emails. Mm. I just screenshot all the answers. Or like anytime I get a question through mm. a DM, I'll just screenshot it and have it saved in my phone. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just go in and be like, oh, this person asked this, write an email about this. Or um, with my posts on Instagram, it's just whatever whatever I think of at the time or whatever's happening. I'm mm. not I'm not going like on a Monday, like, all right, on Monday I'm gonna post a picture of my meal, on Tuesday, I'm gonna post a picture of my abs. On Wednesday, mm-hmm. I'm gonna do this. It's just like on the fly. On the fly, yeah. Yeah. As a PT, I think there's just endless opportunities to post good, helpful content. And mm. um, I kind of stole this off Gary Vee, I guess, or the saying anyway, but like, I don't create content. I just document Document, it. yeah. Just document what I do. And, yeah. And I think for most people, that's going to work far, far better. Mm. And especially in terms of being productive with your time. If you're spending mm. an hour sitting there trying to figure out what you're going to write in your Instagram caption, you could have... Wrote an email. You could have recorded a podcast. You could have put out three Instagram posts, stories, Mm. or even just spent time listening to a podcast and learning new things. Or like, I just
2: try and value. Mm. I try and get as much out of my time as I can. Yeah. Just a more personal question, but talking about time and value, is where do you see yourself in the next sort of twelve months, three years, five years? Do is what do you want to be focusing on, or where do you see yourself going? Um,
0: I think for me, it's still very I wouldn't say unknown, but there's no like. There's not really an end destination, I think, at this point. Like, I'd, ideally, I want to continue to grow uh, my podcast so I can allow me more time to put more time into it, mm. um, continue to grow my online coaching business so I've got a bit more freedom to, to travel and mm. get content in other places and experience new things. So I really enjoy LA. Yeah, so the mm. last few years, I've been trying to extend my time in LA. So a goal for me was to spend six months of the year there mm. and six months of the year here yeah. in Melbourne or wherever in Australia. It doesn't even necessarily need to be LA, but just not in Australia. Cause I mm. think that helps so much in terms of getting new content, new experiences, building up better relationships and networking. Mm. Um, and I've probably been toying more and more with the idea of starting up my own facility yeah. in Melbourne. Um, cause I do, I can't ever see myself not personal training mm. to an extent like because i just enjoy it i just enjoy helping mm. people face to face and like i said it just gives you so many opportunities to get good content like if i wasn't personal training like a lot of my content is based around like i said just documenting what i'm doing day to day
1: absolutely
2: so um, yeah,
1: i'm kind of at the
0: point now where i could probably hopefully start up my own
2: yeah cause I mean, that's the thing is, is i guess personal training is a big thing where scalability comes into it Because the thing is, is you're only limited to so many so many hours per day. You're only limited. Let's be honest, is like ten hours, twelve hours, ten to twelve hours is fucking six to six at night. Like Mm -hmm. that's that's you know that back to back to back sessions is almost impossible. You need to have that break in between. So the thing is, obviously, either you have to increase your rate, so hundred bucks an hour, hundred and fifty bucks an hour, two hundred bucks an hour, is that stage there, or. The thing that I guess has always sort of stuck with me, and we've seen it a lot within this fitness industry as well, is is people that say they've got 400 clients. Like 400 clients, you divide that by five days, that's 80 clients a day. You divide that by your 10 working hours. You're getting back to eight clients in an hour. You're giving each client eight minutes <laughs> the of the day. The, the numbers the word, don't add right? up. So <laughs> the thing is, is, is the value you're giving that client then is how do you sort of see yourself doing that with obviously getting more clients, but then still providing that same value as when you had 10 clients and you're giving them everything. I mean, The thing that sort of, as you saw, is like let's go back to Devon physique, Mm. for example, Mm. and you found out Devon physique had nothing to do with his personal training business. Mm. He had his personal assistant replying with all the text messages, pretending she was Devon. Yeah, Mm. she had, he had a nutritionist replying to about all the emails and and that kind of thing. Is is then all of a sudden you're not really giving value to your clients and Mm. sort of you're not it's not Danny as the personal trainer as Danny's the Indonesian Fiverr fire yeah. person yeah. no, 100%. replying to emails. Say, that's, You're that's, going uh, in India, definitely,
0: uh, definitely something that I wouldn't say that i struggle with, but it's something that I could think about a lot. So mm. me in particular, like, because I do put out a lot of content and I feel as though a lot of it is relatively relatable and I put my own kind of personal spin on it, is I do everything myself, yeah. mm. which... There's definitely things I need to start mm. delegating to, to other people that I help me out with. But in terms of my content and my coaching, it's all me. Mm. And I think it always would be. It mm. always will be because the client's come to me for my services, not mm. for like staff services or someone else. So in terms of personal training, like I've already started to work on that a little bit. Like I don't work in the gym on Fridays anymore because mm. um, I want to make sure I'm keeping that quality up for my online clients because they check in on Fridays. So instead of doing three hours after work on a Friday, replying to people with half-assed replies, it's like, all right, I've got the full day now to do it. Mm -hmm. And it gives me time to be productive and and come up with ideas for the podcast or whatever. With personal training, now a lot of the inquiries I get is obviously people wanting the same times. So if I see them as a good fit um, to fit in with other clients, I'm now kind of saying like, all right, on Monday and Wednesday, I train... Um, this group of girls who are predominantly working on strength training and we do a bit of conditioning at the end, this is the level they're at. It's going to be you know, a quarter of the price of what you pay for a one-on-one. If yeah. you're happy to do it, then that way we can still train. Mm-hmm. My hourly rate goes way higher than what it would be. Mm-hmm. I'm still helping people and they yeah. still get the opportunity to train. So there's that. There's a way of doing it there. Um, and then other than that, man, like I, I think with the online coaching, there's definitely opportunities there to, to obviously – increase the amount of money you're making yeah. but it is hard because because I do try and keep everything quite personalized mm. yeah. scalability is not always great but I think in terms of with the podcast and mm. with the way social media is going there's definitely potential there to be trying to make mm. more money that way and and mm. have a bit more freedom to put time in and keep the quality with your coaching and, mm. and all that type of stuff because as soon as the quality drops off like that's when I start to look at like all right something needs to change which yeah, is why got out of the gym on Fridays and mm. and try and make sure that I'm allowing myself enough time. Like I used to like most personal trainers probably like I used to just work any hours someone wanted to train. Whereas mm. now it's like, oh, I don't work any later than 7pm. Mm-hmm. This is what time I start. I have to have this time of the day where I can do my emails and stuff. And, and yeah. that's
1: it. Yeah kind of set it up how you want.
0: And that's that's probably one thing I should have mentioned earlier with PTs is that you need to I think it's important to have that structure early on. Mm. As tempting as it is to just go like, oh, I want to be busy, I want to do as much as possible. Like it has to be it has to be sustainable over a longer period of time. So mm. that's something that I didn't do well early on as I was just basically a slave to the to the client. Yeah. Whereas now I'm like, even if it means I have to miss out on on potential money, like mm. this is what I'm going to do because I need to make sure I'm getting a certain amount of sleep I need to be able to get my training in Mm -hmm. I still need to have some form of life outside of work Mm -hmm. all that type of stuff and that that needs I think that structure is really important because it's pretty easy to just go like yeah I'll do whatever just to try and make a bit of extra cash yeah of course of course
1: tell us about uh the fitness and lifestyle podcast I'm 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 interested for people to hear about this because I think that this is you know once again a, a a great example of who you kind of are as a person and the elements that have kind of led to your success in, in, you know, in your career, Fitness and Lifestyle podcast, currently one of the top podcasts in Australia in the health and fitness space on iTunes. Um...
3: <laughs> so, about, uh,
0: <laughs> so it was almost, pretty much almost three years ago I started it. So yeah. I've done, I think it's a, Last night's episode was 165, I think.
1: So pretty much, or well, even more than an episode a week, every week.
0: Yeah. So has been at least years. one episode a week
1: yeah. for three, nearly three years. Yeah. 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 So um, there's your consistency.
0: Yeah. Straight up. <laughs> so it, um, and it kind of came back to what you said before about yeah. taking action. So I'd had yeah. this idea of doing a podcast because I'd just started listening to it myself. So I think I was listening yeah. to like Lewis Howes mm-hmm. and maybe Gary Vee mm. Joe Rogan probably. Yeah. Um and I just i heard on one of their podcasts, one of them said something along the lines of like, you know, just taking action, not mm. do it. We're not waiting until tomorrow to do mm-hmm. something you can do today. And then the podcasting industry, even now, is still quite small, but yeah. then was just
1: almost non-existent, non-existent. especially yeah. in Australia. Yeah. Well, I remember when, when you hit us fitness. up for a podcast, I'm like, I just want to like talk and record it. Yeah. And- Put it somewhere. <laughs> okay, cool, <laughs> exactly. man. I'm, d- like, I'm down for whatever, but yeah, sweet. What Let's is us it? it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so,
0: so I had a look into the podcast to see like what else was around in Australia in particular yeah. with health and fitness and it was like nothing at all.
3: Yeah.
0: And I was like, I don't even know what I'm really going to do, but mm. I'm like, I know that there's a lot of content that could be helpful to people. There's yeah. heaps of questions I get asked daily about yeah. training and nutrition. Yeah. I'm just going to start it and see what happens. Yeah. And um, so that, and
1: once again, that's you with the primary mindset of trying to add value. Yeah. You know? So you've got yeah. you've got the primary mindset of trying to add value. You've got I want to do something. So mm. actually taking action. Yeah. And the next minute you start this fitness and lifestyle podcast, and you're doing an epi- at least an episode a week every single week for three years. Yeah. And now three years later, you got one of the top podcasts in the country. Yeah. Pretty much.
0: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So like it's and and we spoke about this yesterday. Like the. Yeah. So I literally, the day I started, I went onto Google, I typed in how to start a podcast and there was yep. a blog that came up step yep. by step. So went through all the steps that day. Mm. And by, the, by that night, I'd submitted it to iTunes, recorded like the first episode. Yeah. And um, it's funny, like people now will be like, oh, I just found, the, found your podcast like binging it and working my way through all the episodes. I was yeah. like, all right, stop at 50 because yeah, yeah. they're <laughs> fucking hard to listen to the first 50. <laughs> yeah. But like I, I remember- Start it. at 51. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Go yeah. forward. Early on, like I was like re- like recording I didn't even, I was just kind of, like I said, answering questions and yeah. I had in mind that I really wanted to, it was almost a bit selfish. I was like, I want to do the podcast and do it with really cool people that one, yeah. are going to add value to the listener, but mm. two, like that I can learn from in both fitness and lifestyle and initially it was business too so I Mm -hmm. probably did a bit more business early on which Mm -hmm. is now just kind of all joined to one anyway of course yeah um so started recording every single week like I said and at that point I was reaching out to a lot of people to try and get them on the show Mm -hmm. um and managed to land some really cool guests but even then like the first 12 to 18 months was slow like Mm. downloads were not really going up even though the in my eyes, the content was unreal. Like mm. some of the guests I had on, I was like, Fuck, this show's going to blow up this week. Yeah. End of the week. Nah, nothing. Nah, shit. Try again next yeah. week. Yeah. So I just kept going. And then, um, but like in my mind, like I said, the guests that I had on and the content that was there, I was like, eventually this podcasting surely going to mm. go well. And mm. when it does, the content's good enough. So people get value and and people are going to listen. So I just kept doing it. And basically that's what's happened. So yeah. um, even now podcasting is still quite small, but it's only going to get bigger mm. and um, still putting out an episode a week. It's it's led to so many cool opportunities like networking with people like you guys, Absolutely. Um, people across the world. Like when I go to LA, I really try and put in a lot of time to get as many done as I can yeah. with cool people, yeah, um, which is just a great way to build relationships and, and meet new people and add value. Like to not only listen to it, but myself like I've learned so much stuff from from the podcast in terms of guests yeah. that I've had on like sometimes I record and I'm like shit I gotta go back and listen to and it actually yeah listen to it again yeah. and then like yeah. take some notes because there's mm. so much good stuff in there yeah and it's just such cool cool feeling now to have people like email or dm me saying that like I've listened to the podcast and it's unreal or yeah um got so much out of this episode whereas like you know I, I initially just started literally just to try and help people and, and, and oh, meet some people and, yeah. And, and, yeah. and network whereas now it's actually having such a big impact which is pretty cool Yeah, which is actually yeah it's awesome, awesome absolutely feeling.
1: yeah it, it's a it's a um, and I it's enjoyable it's a, like, we're, well, like that, this yeah, has been enjoyable like, that's you know the other mean? thing we're just sitting Fun. sitting down and having the chat you yeah. know what I'm saying so um, but I say the same thing to, to, to you and Joel when we're doing you know when we don't have a guest on. And then when we do have guests on as well, I'm like, I, I kind of do the podcast for selfish reasons, yeah. reasons you know, like mm. I've got questions that I want answers to, you know, and sometimes <laughs> yeah, exactly. just, you know, putting an hour or so aside and being able to talk to, to Neve and Swole or having a guest on yeah. literally like asking questions that I don't know the answers to, that by the end of the podcast, now I know the answers to. Yeah. And so the chances like,
0: are so many other people have the same questions. Yeah.
1: Mm. Yeah. And then you guys get to listen to it or watch it and, and you know, hopefully get some value out of it as well.
0: Yeah. It was funny early on as well, like similar to what you said about the Instagram post. Like I, I was like, no one, surely, especially when I do episodes on my own. Yeah. I'm just like, why would like, people aren't going to want to listen to this. <sighs> yeah. But then some, sometimes the feedback I get, like there's some of the, best the episodes of the biggest episodes. Ones, so yeah. like if, you're, if you are considering starting a podcast or even putting content out on social media yeah. and you think that no one's going to want to see it, like there's always someone that's going to get... Yeah. If, you, if it's some form of value, there's always going to be someone that wants to know the answer to what you're providing. Yeah. yeah.
2: And I mean, I think that goes for everything though, yeah, especially as we said and as we mentioned last night is, is it comes down to training, comes down to nutrition, comes down to you starting your personal training business. I mean, you didn't start with with any clients, the yeah. online clients, you didn't have any online clients to start with. You mm. had one client, one client, one client, mm. two clients, three clients, three clients, three clients, whatever it may have been. The thing is is you didn't give up after the first three months because you only had one client. Exactly. You just yeah. kept yeah. pursuing yeah. And, yeah. and working on it. And as you said, putting in those those hours. And the same with the podcast, if you're getting 10 downloads, 10 downloads, 10 downloads, 20 downloads, 20. And as you said, it stalled for a while at 500, I think you said it was. And then it could have been very easy if you'd give up after the first 24 months exactly, and and just think, Fuck, this isn't working, mm. not getting anything from it. But yeah, without without you knowing that 50 can turn into 500, can turn into 50,000. Yeah, um, but I mean, yeah, it's the same as that little picture you see with the dude picking at the axe, and on the other side, is that, that diamond mine, and then you never know how close turns around, around and starts walking away. You never know how yeah. close you are to that breakthrough. And yeah, yeah. And, but it's really that consistency, there's nothing happened overnight, and then. I think as we said before, there's a lot of people and what you said in previous podcasts, is people just comparing themselves to others on social media and mm. comparing themselves to what they see and, and you they'll see you and say, Oh look, Danny's in the top ten and i like, have got mine and I'm I'm not there yet and they get disheartened because they're not where you are. Without you saying is same with your personal training as you mentioned, is people don't see the time that you put in behind the scenes, they don't yeah. see the three years. Massive Joes, people don't see Joey starting in 2005, which is 14 years ago. It's, 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 exactly right. This, yeah, building, didn't, end result. this yeah. building didn't just pop up. It's it's 14 years of, of slogging away and 20-hour yeah. days. And I think that's the main thing people have to remember is even starting something. And if they're looking at starting a podcast, looking at starting a personal training business, looking at starting an online business or a supplement business, mm. is they have to look at it. Look, there's going to be a lot of times... <sighs> That are, that is going to be in a lot of hours that are going to go into it where you're not going to get any reward from it initially. Yeah. But it's like consistency that pays off time time again. Same as, I guess, us guys in the gym is, is yeah, we probably have that, I don't know what it is, 80-20 rule, I guess. We'll use that rule. But, I mean, yeah, like 80% – there's a couple of days where I don't eat well or don't train well and stuff, but still that consistency, the 80% year after year, 15 years yeah. of training, it, mm. it pays off. So and, and as
0: well as that, like I think with social media as well, people do see the – 0.5 percent of the population that it does happen overnight, mm. and go oh that like that could happen to me, and then get disheartened when it doesn't. But in actual fact, it's you can
1: basically forget exception. about that. That's not yeah. happening. Yeah, it's
2: well, like people buying a lot of ticket thinking they can become a millionaire. I mean, it's not going to happen. Yeah.
1: There's a lot more people who have become millionaires through hard work, consistency over time yeah. than there are who have become millionaires through a lot of tickets. Yeah. Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. You know, you look at the numbers. Mm. So, well, man, Danny. Thank you so much for your time. Man, I think you, uh, you know there's 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 some real gems in this episode, and I think you know probably the biggest one, as you were saying, Neve, uh, is is just the fact that you know you guys have been able to listen to a guy who's who's done very well for himself um, in both the fitness and a business space through primarily trying to add as much value to the universe as possible, taking actual action, and never giving up. And you know, just being consistent.
2: Not being afraid to hear the answer, no.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's part of taking action, right? Is it's like so many people don't take action because of fear of failure, fear of self-doubt, ego, fear of other people's opinions, whatever it is. Uh, but, you know, this guy over here, I don't give a single fuck. No fucks Anyway.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, there you have it. That is the interview with the Massive Joes team. Um, had a lot of fun with Nevos and Joseph on that episode. So I hope you've enjoyed today's show. Obviously a lot longer than usual, but I'm sure you've all taken away some form of value, whether it was from me or whether it was from um, the boys at the Massive Joes HQ. So thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you have a fantastic day and can't wait to bring you the next episode.